0: Very cool. Uh, so
1: anyone else? Uh, who is uh, anyone gonna be leading this tonight, today? Feel free to uh, raise your hand. Come on up.
2: Yeah, I know Hardcore put together some Miro boards, so that's what I got open right now. Um, I don't know. Like, is he gonna be joining us here today? Um, but, you know, he has some interesting stuff on the boards we could probably go through. Uh, I thought maybe he might be uh, coming to this meeting as well.
3: Let's
0: bring up Crypto Godfather. Hey, Crypto Godfather, how are you? Good morning. I just tried to log into the Miro board,
1: uh, but I think it requires some access. Not sure which one.
2: Um, Okay, I can send you a link here. Maybe that might work.
1: Yeah, we need the, I guess, the public one.
0: I got the link up there.
1: Okay. I'm oh, sorry, oh, yeah.
2: I, put weekly, I put in weekly hangouts, my bad.
1: Let me put this in here. There we go. There it is. Nice.
0: Cool. All right. So this is
1: our uh do we have a is this the current agenda? It says May. It looks like we're two two weeks old here.
0: Jam, oh, Jam. Ready.
2: GM. Let's see here. Um, well, he started on a new one next, next, next over to this. Uh, let's see. Yeah, this is. This was last week's. Um, last week we talked about bubble ups. We talked about. Uh, we talked about the spillage, the levels um so this 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 has been covered here i see he started over on a new one and then we also have the iTraits traits discussion i know last week you were saying uh that's something you didn't want to touch is that still something that's not on the table for this week or do you want to get into the iTraits traits uh discussion for today as well
1: um let's see i'm following hardcore here trying to keep up with him where is he uh yeah i mean we if we uh we, I think we probably have some time to go through the eyes and see what the new thoughts are.
0: Okay,
2: I see. I see the most recent uh, Miro board. He's put it down there. It's just below the first one there. And so,
0: okay. So I guess we could start with... Uh, i'm just trying to
2: fold this board here yeah cool
1: so each each week we have a new board is that how this is going to work
2: yeah yeah i already said i'm going to help him kind of organize some of it too but he's been he's been doing this all on his own um okay so the i'm going to start at the top right there uh where it says question for the dow to ponder ourselves What does successful use of this land look like? Who should control it? Do we have interest in bandwidth for a DAO Square task force? I guess this might be like a future um, discussion. Generative art based on DAO Tech Cloud. I'm going to try and find what's the most um, relevant to what we were looking at last week.
1: Yeah. uh, Real quick, I'll give an update on the snapshot situation. So we submitted our PR to them, and I believe they merged it. uh, But looks like there's still some issues with voting power not being correct for some people. Or in some situations, uh, the voting power looks correct, and then you submit the vote, and then it looks different. Which is very strange. I've never seen that happen on Snapshot before. So we are we are in talks and trying to, communicating with their team about what the issue is. There is one potential possibility. I've been thinking the query that we have to perform to calculate voting power is pretty long. It's pretty intense, especially for like the vault because they have so many open lendings at a time sometimes so that might be one area i'm i'm not sure we haven't really gotten any confirmation from them about what the issue is there okay so it's like a wait and see kind of situation yeah so i'm um, sorry got... any, any proposals that are like any sig props i think wa- during this time uh we can keep putting out sick props because they're, they're probably going to be pretty close to reaching quorum anyway. So uh, if they barely meet it or, or just miss it, I think it's probably fine to, to count them because we are missing a lot of voting power.
2: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, hopefully that's something they can uh, sort out pretty soon as we start yeah. going into the gotchiverse, I'm sure. Uh, there's gonna be more proposals that get generated for sure. Yeah. Um, so I got some clarification on um, what we're supposed to. What are the items for discussion this week? Uh, we have level nine. I guess that's in in regards to uh, the highest level for installations. Uh, that was brought up by Notorious BTC. I don't have more context than that. But if uh, is Notorious BTC in the? Yeah, I mean. It, If you want to elaborate on that, um, get some more context on that. And then Thunderfish uh, with wearable sets. I guess there was some discussion around uh, wearable set modifications and maybe fixing the Link Marine set. There was an issue with that. Hey, Notorious BTC. Good morning. Hey, man. What's up? Can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah. Yep. Great. Um,
3: Yeah, so... The level nine situation—it's um, a bit deeper than that. It goes back to there's a long running forum thread now about the installation costs, and there's been a lot of debate and back and forth across the community and with the devs about um, the cost of installations as well as the the rate of yield. So Mikey J and I put together a proposal with the Dow Treasury Force and submitted to do like a deep dive on this and see if we can't first, uh, from like a logical, holistic standpoint, build some ideas on how the game should look and then flow it into like numerical models. Um, So my job was to go into the logical flow and take a look at things holistically, like with words and what should feel right. And so I shared that document uh, late last night on the forum. I don't know if everyone or anyone had a chance to read it. It's quite lengthy uh, as it encompasses to the best of my ability, everything that had been discussed, uh, all the different mechanics we can look at that impact not only the cost of the installation, but also the rate of yield, as well as different mechanics and little levers we can play with to achieve different results. And in my exploration, uh, I created three different archetypes of like potential players. One was a, the Small Farmer, and this is a player that has, you know, a small capital. is looking to build and grow his land organically. And then you have like the Digen Speculator, and he starts with a lot of upfront capital and is looking to maximize his yield as quickly as possible. And then there's like the Empire Builder, who has more of a long term vision and is looking to grow his empire over time. And what I realized in this journey is the major mechanic for game balance is to strive for something where the degen speculator who builds everything as fast as possible, he's looking to offset that cost. Oops, sorry, let me back up. Uh, the way I looked at this, I'll show this image here that I made a little chart of in the chat real fast to give an idea of where I'm going with this, uh, with game balance. And when I look at the parcel, the way I look at it as I'm building my land, I'm borrowing against my land's resources to build things now in order to get those resources out later. So there's like a net yield harvested when you look at, what you build, right? So if you build something that's all level nine, uh, maxed out completely, that's going to cost far more resources than if you build something with just level ones, right? So what I'm looking at from a logical standpoint is where that net yield should fall. Like if you take the cumulative number of all the parcels, but not all the parcels, all the installations, the harvester, the maker, the reservoir, what should that cost be with respect to the actual total resource on the land and then on the other end of the extreme the level one build out that should have the maximum amount of yield but the rate of extraction is lower so you start to play with a few different ideas in that the level nine extractor the degen speculator he is assuming Alchemica is going to be more expensive in the beginning. So if he wants to get all of it out of his land as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. uh, even though his net yield quantity-wise is lower. And then on the other end, the slow builder is going to get more yield quantity-wise uh, on the assumption that Alchemica price is going to be more stable. So what I started to see is if we can have a balance where both extremes are viable, then there's a number of different builds you can have in between for all the different play styles. And and that's really the gist of what I came to the conclusion of, um, in the whole exploration. So does, does that make sense? Are there any questions on that? that bit?
2: I'm looking at your, uh, your original at your original post there. Is that the one that says something ain't right with installation upgrades?
3: Yes, yeah, it's like a yeah. really, really long thread at this point,
2: okay. but yeah, it is interesting though. I'm just uh, looking at some of the bullet points you 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 uh, put out there. actually, it does bring up some interesting uh, points. maybe i'll just I'll actually just grab those and I'll post them in the um, we can maybe discuss some of these.
3: yeah, are you looking at the the document itself, the TldR or are you in the
2: forum? Thread. i'm in the forum i'm looking at the, something ain't right with installation upgrades uh, the dow post okay. in
3: the forum. yeah um, so so so, the, so in- world, like the strategy should be do you build faster more expensive but get less yield quantity wise on the assumption that you'll able to
1: sell your timber for a higher price in the beginning or do you build more slowly yeah that's very uh, similar to our archetype they're basically the same archetype of, of the glitter maxi the glitter maxi was basically a person who's trying to maximize their lp stake and then maximize their glitter but it ends up being pretty much the same idea as in um, in any time of type of farming game the kind of the assumption is that the tokens the farm tokens will probably go down now that might not be true. There might be, we might be able to maintain or possibly even they could go up over time. Uh, but a lot of farmers will assume that the tokens are gonna go down. So they're gonna try to uh, maximize their yield upfront by uh, putting as many uh, resources as possible uh, up at, at the beginning. So that's that's originally why we had the build that we currently do have. Uh, which was the where the the upper tier le- levels were very quite expensive, and um, it wasn't exactly optimal to get a level nine
3: and, and that that makes sense. I, I understand the the logic behind everything you did a lot more uh, when I went into this myself
1: But, I mean, what I liked about your probing was. Uh, there is that, so we can look at it from the economic perspective, but from the gamer perspective, there's this sense of completion that you feel like it should. It is it. It's fun to be able to get a level nine, and so it should be accessible. And, and even if um, maybe you don't want to be a Djin speculator, you want to be like the empire builder, like you have out. It should still make sense for that type of archetype as well, or for just a casual player that has a spacious parcel. It'd be also great if they could get at least one level nine of, of uh, an altar or even a harvester.
3: Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I, I think there's like that, that level of finesse and, you know, ideally we have a setup where, I, I, I guess my opinion would be like the full level nine build would not be like the only option that we strive for, because then there's less strategy, right? So it's almost like the full DJ mode is all level nine, but don't quite get that high quantity of yield. Because as you say, the, the farm tokens tend to go down over time, versus maybe building like just 10 to 20 to 30% of the land up to L9 and have more larger quantity of yieldable time, but it's not as fast up front. Um, Yeah, so that's an agreement there. So um, with the document, I I did like a deep dive. It it is quite lengthy. It's like 22 pages, I I believe. Um, uh, Hats off to you if you read and kept up with me the whole way through. Um, There's a few things that I thought would be worth discussing, and that's the maker first. There's been introduced in chapter four build caps based on parcel size, um, which is cool, but I think we can add in another gameplay mechanic, which is the maker, and have the maker influence the maximum quantity build. And that's something we have going to be modeled with the the numbers coming out, Early next week, uh, Mikey J making some really badass codes to run some simulations. And I, I, I don't know what the community feels, but when you look at the ROI on a Humble, due to the fact that the altar price is the same across all three parcels, the sunk cost for a, a Humble is much higher uh, ratio wise than spacious. So, in a way, they get wrecked. Uh, so I, I'm not I'm I am not i i do not know if only allowing four harvesters on a humble is uh, is beneficial for the small player and the ROI of a humble parcel. I don't know how everyone else feels about that though. Just something that came up to me uh, this morning, so I realized I miscalculated in my in my document. I assumed they could build sixteen. I'd missed that detail.
2: Yeah, I mean four on a humble. <clears throat> Implies, I guess, you can just harvest one type of each alchemica per, because you need, you know, you need one different type of harvester for each type of alchemica that you're pulling out there, if you want to, you know, completely drain the parcel. Um, but, it, you know, maybe my inf- opinion not is not as well informed. But to me, the the value proposition of a humble is a little bit different um, than a spacious or a reasonable. Whereas the Humble, I hope, you know, the, the prices stay reasonable, a uh, you know, an entry point for new players who want to um, get some of the utility, like the functionality of land, um, like, you know, maybe some of the other benefits, such as teleporting or, you know, being able to build installations on it, and, and maybe not just the harvesting aspect for Humbles only, specifically
3: if that makes sense. And I, I guess we, we don't have a full picture painted yet of what all can be built on a land. Uh, for sure. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yes, Slick introduced another archetype that I thought was pretty interesting.
1: I don't know if he can speak or wants to share about that. Uh, in the call. Yeah, I see he's mentioned the traveling merchant. That's very interesting.
2: It'll be interesting. Like I like how you're looking at this as from the point of archetypes, because you know, with with this being uh, not just a, a financial, you know, economic uh, thing, there's actually a game underpinning all of this, and everybody's going to have their different playing styles, and so like that is a really important consideration now with with making with make you know taking into account these things that not every player is going to approach this the same way, uh, and how can we Make sure that all players are, you know, getting a a satisfactory experience out of out of whatever playing style they choose, and that there is no uh, optimal playing style that maybe everybody will want to gra- gravitate to. Maybe there's trade offs for each, you know.
3: Absolutely, and and I think that's if we can really nail that, we'll have a really rewarding gameplay experience where, you know, you can go all in and push for the max ROI in the very beginning, or a little bit more slowly organically over time. That's, uh, that would make for a really good game.
0: Yeah. Coder,
2: Dan, you had an
3: interest,
2: uh, Coder, Dan, an interesting, uh, data point on how long it would take to drain. Was it a spacious parcel with all level one harvesters? It was a, it was a long time, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. So. Uh, with a with a level one, I think currently you're earning uh, f- was it fourteen or fifteen FUD per day, and you could it's build 14. yeah fourteen. So 120. if we went with hundred twenty-eight, which isn't quite accurate, but let's just say sixty-four. So you get eight hundred ninety-six a day. There's on average there's going to be about nine hundred eleven thousand. So. That's uh, that's about 3 years with that rate. Now we're, what we're thinking is lowering that rate even more to about 5 per day, but we're also lowering the cost of it significantly. But if we did that, it would come up to about 3000 days. (laughs) It's going to be a while. So I, I don't think the optimal play would really be to be to have level ones on on your... I mean, it's good if you just want passive income. You're not really concerned about how much it's going to be. Uh, but it, yeah, you wouldn't really be making back any sort of ROI for, for a while. I mean, you have an ROI, but it'd be a very small ROI. Which is kind of a one of the things that we were thinking about is... Um, the time to recoup your investment, and so with the level one, you'll recoup it with the current model. I think it's about thirty days so after thirty days you're you're profitable, but you're not really earning that much, and that's kind of how we were balancing the level one versus the level nine. Level one is cheap, and uh, the time to recoup is pretty quick, but you're not really earning that much but if so if you do want to earn faster, you want to Get you want to clean out your parcel faster, that's when you would want to upgrade to the higher levels.
0: That makes perfect sense.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And I think the models
3: Mikey J are building out will give us a simulation as to how that will actually look out, what that will actually play out so people have a more tangible idea of what's going on here.
1: Yeah. I think another thing to think about is, um for a spacious especially, maybe not everyone like you could have one level nine, maybe you don't need to upgrade everything to a level nine. you could have a couple level nines and some some lower levels as well. you know you don't have to go full out level nine on every harvest that you have. you could maybe have have one, but I mean, if you do that, then you have like kind of the sunk cost of the altar, so it kind of makes sense to if you're going to go to level 9 it would al- almost make sense to to upgrade everything to level 9 eventually um notorious maybe i know you guys have a couple ideas uh we we i i read through the tldr and some of the doc today but maybe you want to just go through a couple of the, uh, apart from the harvester rate changes or price changes, some of the new mechanics you guys were thinking? Yeah, yeah, that sounds great.
3: Um, so I just did a little bulleted list there in the, the chat. I'll just run through some different ideas, because uh, the dim- the diminishing returns and rate and everything on the harvester has been discussed at length, and I think the numbers are really what we need to see at this point on those. Um, But a few different ideas that came up in this exploration, Uh, one that's been discussed already a little bit in the forum is the makers themselves. Um, So for me, I I think the maker is like a logistics center, right? And you have like these little robots that help build things. And so for me, it makes sense that they help maintain the harvesters and reservoirs and things of sorts without an actual cost, but they're just like extra hands. So for them to enable you to build more harvesters makes sense. Uh, And this gives utility to the harvester or to to the makers, which currently are quite pricey and don't have utility beyond just an increased pipeline for building. So I suggested two things that we could do for the maker. The first is to switch the cap quantity on parcels from just that number to the actual maker level. Um, So like the cap quantity on harvester build dictated by maker level. And the second mechanic, which is a more minor mechanic, uh, slightly more nuanced, is potentially giving makers a passive spillover reduction when they're not in use. Uh, So I'll explain the cap quantity real real, real quick uh, first. And that is the cap quantity is defined by maker level. And it would be a set number per maker level for each alchemica type Uh, so i kind of envisioned rather than it just being a blanket say 32 cap it would be like 8888 that way you'd be more incentivized to upgrade your maker of course this is just me talking this is not numbers or anything this is just kind of my my brain flowing on this one um so you can see here i had some different ideas i'll share this with you on how that might play out, taking a quick screenshot here. So Quincy, the idea, you say we're talking about makers, are you taking into account the cost of a maker for a humble? Um, the way I sort of see the parcel build outs going is a humble wouldn't really have use for a maker. Uh, there's not really much space nor utility to to have it. It's just my opinion. The reasonable parcel would have yes or no need for maker. It's like more of a preference, and the spacious would absolutely need a maker is how I envisioned it playing out uh, based on what I've created here. so that is that just a different way of scaling? So you see, like I said it, no maker would be eight harvesters per alchemica type as a stock across all parcels. And then level one, if you look at end-weighted previous growth plus one, like level one would be nine, and then 11, 14, 17, 22, and so on. That's uh, just an idea I had on how to scale that. Uh, Mikey J is doing a bit more calculation on that, though. Uh, The reason why I don't see makers working on the Humble parcels, I'll share with you here. This... Chart shows the maker cost as the percent of total supply. So you can see even a level four maker on a humble costs more than the entire supply of Alchemica in the ground. It costs 32,500 total FUD, which is 114% of the supply. So it just doesn't really make sense to go um, beyond that. Okay, Zico, I see there's a, a Typo in my calculation, thank you for that. It should be 11, 14, 18. So that's something there. Uh, The second idea I had was to do a makeover spillover reduction. And the way this would work is when a maker's not in use, the extra bots could capture some additional spillover, which reduces the parcel's total spillover. Uh, Not applied to channeling, but more with the harvesting. So basically, if you have, like say a level three maker, you have three bots, so you have a maximum build queue of four things. Uh, if you're building two things at one time, that means you have two bots not in use. So you might get like a 2% spillover reduction at one per bot, something like that. Uh, again, these numbers are just, for example, they're not calculated on any level. So those are the two maker ideas that came through. Um, the
0: spill, oh, let me check the chat for us.
3: Okay. Yeah, as Mikey Jada said, please take the numbers as illustration only. Uh, we're just, yeah, these are just conceptual ideas. And Zico, thank you for the correction on the numbers. We'll take note of that. Um, then on the spillover rate, we talked about this a bit in the forum. It's my understanding that currently reservoirs dictate the spillover rate. And it had been suggested to as a way to empower harvesters and make them more attractive for upgrade to shift that spillover rate from the reservoir to the harvester. And so that could play out in one of two ways. Uh, The first way would be like a live action spillover from the harvester. And I don't know if there's technical limitations, so I'm just going to explain the idea. And then if it doesn't work, or it's no good. That's, you know,
1: to be yeah, we've we've kind of nixed that idea from pretty early on because everything is happening on the contract side, and uh, you can't really be dropping Alchemica from the contract without an like a a transaction happening. So that's why we have Let's the see. empty reservoir transaction, and that's why we also that's just true. turn off the harvesting if it gets filled. Also, uh-huh. it just feels like bad UX to. If someone acts like if they can't get to their laptop or they lose Internet, they're they're basically just like their money is just <laughs> flowing out.
3: That makes sense. OK, so the live action spillover basically just said as the alchemic is pumping, whatever percent spillover is getting spread into the air, but technically that's not possible. So then the only option would be if it's a harvester defined, you would take the average spillover rate across all harvesters. And when you go to collect from the reservoir, it would spill that percent. So for example, if you have two harvesters, one's a 90% capture, one's a 70% capture. Uh, when you go to collect up the reservoir, the average of the spill is 10 and 30, which is 20%. So 20% would get spilled when you go to collect. Um, and then there's the way it was before, which is the reservoir defined spillover. And that's just like it was before, where the reservoir level defines the spillover rate. And then it was proposed also a double taxed spillover, which is both mechanisms have spillover and combined you spill even more. I don't think that's a very popular option, but I did put that in there. Um, My thought, I thought it might be kind of cool without actually seeing the numbers. If the harvester defines the spillover, and the reservoir actually defines like the spill of a radius, so it's broken into two different mechanics. I don't know if that's possible from a technical standpoint, but I kind of envision like the harvester as this oil rig spraying things in the air, and mm-hmm. the reservoir is like a capturing mechanic. So it has like a almost like this magnetism to it as it tries to grab alchemica. So it would be reducing the radius as the more powerful it gets. Uh, just something I thought of on that. See.
0: Yeah, I Uh, think that makes sense. Um,
1: Pretty much how we've thought about it as well. Uh, Yeah, the harvester, I think, does have... There could be a a scenario where the harvester has um, a spillover rate and the reservoir only has the spillover rate, yes.
2: I mean, those two functions would still need to be used, right? It would just be which installations are associated with them. Yeah,
1: it's on the technical side, it's actually quite simple to to do that.
0: So that's good news. Cool. cool. Yeah, right on.
2: Cool. All right. Cool. I, I uh, thought that would
0: be
3: pretty
2: cool. Oh, yeah. Um, should we move on um, to the...
1: One thing that's a, probably a little bit urgent is if we're going to introduce any changes to Glitter, I saw one of the ideas was an ape tax on glitter for long queues i guess like something basically the long the more glitter you spend um on one installation the less powerful it would become i think that was the idea like one right mm-hmm. now it's one glitter equals one block
3: yes yes that uh it's worded a bit confusing but like the say like the first ten thousand blocks are one to one glitter and then the next ten thousand one hundred thousand would be like one point two and it becomes more expensive if you want to say you want to insta build like a forty five day build queue mm-hmm. it would cost a steeper rate than just one to one something
1: like that.
0: Oh. It was I'm just a little worried that about that idea
1: and yeah I, I think we actually initially we had an idea to actually make it more powerful. Like spending more glitter actually gave you a benefit rather than a, a tax, because then they would people would want to spend more glitter. Uh Like there would be a almost an incentive to burn more, because uh, an incentive to upgrade faster. I'm a little wary of de de incentivizing things. uh it was was just an idea worth having a quick talk about yeah we are planning to launch glitter quite soon and so yeah if there's i think we're probably out of time to to make any revisions um before it goes live obviously there could be revisions made after by the dow to to uh how glitter affects things but uh yeah, it's just, if we're gonna, we need to move, we're, we're probably out of time for the an initial distribution, uh, but that will kind of affect the price of, of glitter.
3: So just a, one Makes thing sense. to be aware of. Yeah, and as Mikey J pointed out, the, the model's not factoring glitter, as he said, old level of depth. So maybe we just leave it alone for now. It sounds like, mm-hmm. The overall community doesn't seem too keen on the idea anyway. So we can just let it go. Okay. And then I see Hardcore mentioned the glitter seems pointless with the time scale of the high end stuff. Um, that that was something we also looked at. And I think, uh, Dan, and your models too, you did increase the build time on things. I-, I think it was somewhat unanimous to increase build time across the board. Um, on the installations
0: mm-hmm.
3: so that would actually increase the value of glitter
1: yeah i'll have to look at the recipe book again i remember altar and guilt on gachi lodge are quite long but i think you're referring more to the harvesters and reservoirs uh yes uh, mikey j
3: i know you're listening and i don't know if you're able to speak but he was playing around some build times too in the bottles i don't know if that's something we'll be able to um toy with once things once he has that ready to to play with you in a few days but from the the logical flow of things like more of a gameplay something i was thinking about is like okay if my only restraint is build time how long should it theoretically take me to build my parcel out without glitter to say I want to max build a reasonable parcel. I have unlimited alchemica, and my only limiting factor is the time, the build queue time. How long should that take? Versus I'm a small farmer, I have no resource, and I'm only building off my own land as I get the resource I upgrade. Like what difference in time should that be? Just from a gameplay perspective of what feels right? Uh, and that was how I will reverse engineer the build
0: times on a Well,
2: I know playing other games where this tokenized time aspect is actually something, you know, I've spent money on, like, uh, you know, use my credit card to buy more gems or whatever to mm-hmm. speed up build times. And so I think that value of that time is is almost more In my in my opinion, is gonna over time become more valuable than actually even the resources used, because you can get the resources, but you might not necessarily have the glitter um, unless you're staking or you're buying it off the market um, to you know progress here. It's an it's an interesting um, you know tool that people can use, but. Not necessarily something everybody has to use. Everybody has to use alchemica uh, resources to build their structures, but the glitter is almost uh, is optional. But it, it can also become necessary at a certain level because, like, nobody's going to want to wait a whole month and miss out on all those yields um, when they're upgrading those higher structures. You know, between seven and eight, eight and nine. Um, I think that's when the value of glitter is really going to become realized to make those leaps
3: it almost starts to become like an arbitrage opportunity where you can arbitrage the price of glitter for the build time to get your yields faster. Okay, I I think that's pretty much it. Uh, There was just one other consideration, and that was like once we, it's less important, but we should also look at a few of the other costs later, such as the price of walls and uh, the lodges. If my math is right, a spacious parcel needs ninety-four wall pieces, which costs at current prices when I type it twelve thousand ghost with a build time of thirteen years. So that seems a bit steep. I don't know, uh, but anyway, that's not super important to look at today. It's just something <laughs> yeah. to, to consider in the future as we dial in these, these numbers. But yeah, that's it for me. Uh, I guess I'll just step down now. if We can move on to the next topics.
2: Thanks for the space. Thank you for yeah, um, providing, such, yeah. Thank you for providing such uh, comprehensive uh, data and uh, really bringing these like issues to light. Uh, you know, grateful to have people like yourself pulling those uh, numbers together. Well,
3: thanks. It's been a pleasure. I'm really happy to have been able to come together and see some things that need an attention and hopefully with the report done by myself and Mikey J over the next few days, we'll have a really good strategy moving forward and a lot of clarity across the board where the whole community is like, ah, oh, this makes sense. And we're all on board to make some good changes.
0: All oh, thanks guys.
2: hundred percent. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Great. Jefe. Um, yeah. It's great to have people really going deep diving in. And also great to have Dan here as well to, to give the reflection on some of the technical stuff or historic decisions
3: made and why. So yeah, awesome team effort. Cheers.
2: Yeah. So um, the next topic here under old business, uh, we have Thunderfish who uh, was, he had brought up something to do with wearable sets and under that it says uh, wearable set modifications and fixed link Marine. I'm assuming that's referring to the link Marine set. So um, if Thunderfish, you're in the audience and you want to come up and, um, you know, maybe give a little bit more context uh, and we can, you know, we can sort this out. Uh, but in the meantime, while we wait for that, I know um, Jared has posted some questions for, for yourself, Coder Dan, for PixelCraft. So maybe we can uh, we can just uh, address those while uh, is Thunderfish in the audience? I know I saw him up here earlier on stage. Um yeah well here, here are the questions. Uh so Jared asks uh can we get an updated release schedule for new functionality post May 18th.
1: So yeah I, I mean that- we we're not going to have a like a a calendar like a day by day of when a new release will come. First of all we're there's going to be a lot of optimizations that we need to do just for the May 18th one. Uh, as far as being able to support a lot of players and if there's any UI tweaks that we need to make. So the first priority will be on making sure that everything is going smooth for the 18th and the the full Citadel. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of issues that we'll be working through. UX issues, bot issues, all all sorts of stuff. So once uh, we're through the majority of that, um, at the same time on the... On the, another thread, we'll have the other other team members will be working on the harvester reservoir uh, release, and we do have an internal kind of schedule with the order of operations that we're planning to release in. But uh, we can't give like a firm date on one month or two weeks, or whatever. So until until the eighteenth, and we and about one week into it, we should have a, a good understanding of what the issues that could be and how quickly we can we can get through them. Uh, but we'll try to get that uh, as soon as possible. We want to definitely get a, an updated roadmap for the verse to you guys so everyone has expectations. Uh, but first, just we need to look at all the different technical issues that we're going to have with the 18th and make sure that um, we're able to handle all those first before moving on to new content.
2: Perfect. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then I have a second question also from Jared. Uh, what do we do with the core prop for channeling timer? So I guess uh, he's speaking in regards to the SIG prop or core yeah. prop issue yeah. that we're having.
1: I believe we've, we've already implemented the channeling timer. Uh, so if we want to do a core prop, uh, we can. I, I think we have we have it written up. It's just the this issue with uh, Snapshot right now is kind of causing a little bit of chaos in the DAO. So we can do it. Um, just I feel like there might be people that are, they they might not have voting power or there might be some issue. So um, since there are people that un, are potentially unable to vote, I don't know if it's a great idea to do a full core prop, but we are planning to implement the the channeling time, the timer anyway.
2: Okay, great. Yeah. Those are the two questions from Jared. And so uh Thunderfish has also mentioned he stepped out earlier in the meeting, but if we're still going when he's back, he's gonna he's gonna step up and he's gonna address the, the wearable um topic. And so we can maybe if he's not back, we can maybe stand by on that. And um that takes care of old business anyway, um aside for aside from uh Thunderfish so for for uh you know things that we could address for the rest of the time we have here uh we could readdress that uh i eye topic that um we had brought up last week, but I know we didn't really wanna get into that um Is that something we could discuss this week for eye traits? I think hardcore put something together for that too as well um with these two different uh mechanics for uh, eye traits, for eye shape and eye color. And so maybe we can kind of gather some ideas around that, what people think. Um, If you can see here, I'll post the, if you guys aren't looking at the mirror board, I can put that in there so you can see it. Okay. So that's the mirror board there. And so it's how to map the eye traits, right? Because we figured out the rest of the traits, you know, the the four main playable traits, and now what's left to finalize, I guess, uh, is the eye traits. And um, coder Dan, are you, are you able to see the 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 mirror board there for eye for the? It says golden eyes, and then eye color is dye color.
1: Um, let me see here. Is this on the it's, latest board?
2: Yeah, it's kind of off to the right, actually. Uh, Like, if you go down, like, a little bit up to last week's and off to the right, I'm you'll see. I'm going to click see, on yeah. someone
1: here. Let's see. i click on Hardcore. I don't, there's a way to follow people. Oh, yeah okay. yeah. okay. Got it.
2: Yeah. So, Hardcore, put this together for eyes, um, and maybe we can get your take on it and then, you know, get some opinions from the audience. If you guys have something you want to add to this, you know, to this discussion around eye traits. Uh, definitely come up and um, you know share your opinion with us. So um, uh, we have i shape uh, that maps to uh, as a crafting fee modifier, and uh, alternatively, um, I mean, sorry, uh, you know, on the other end of it, the eye eye color score maps to emote access rate. So they're tying this in into um, uh, crafting. To be eye utility for crafting And then alternatively uh, there's been some talk about laser eyes and possibly using eye color as actually a dye color, uh, which I thought actually to me I thought that was a more interesting proposition for eye color uh, over over the emotes and it would play a unique role with what we were talking about yesterday during the hangout where I was wondering if we're going to see some visual like variations and structures as we move forward, um, you know, with limited edition items and whatnot. And I feel like uh, a really rare eye colors could also provide like a unique uh, aesthetic appeal to certain items that were allowed to change the color on based on, you know, these dyes that you'd be able to produce. Um, I guess the questions would be, you know, like, is this something people would want, first of all? And then also the mechanics of how the dyes would actually work, right? Like there'd have to be a little economy essentially around these and how to make that, you know, sustainable, I guess.
1: So, I mean, the eye color, I'll admit, when I'm walking in the verse, I see a with like the, the the green eyes. It's really cool to see um especially if it's like if it's like a naked gachi and you can just see their eyes they got these like really cool green looking eyes i really i dig that so um anything we can do to keep it kind of aesthetic will will probably actually end up helping preserve the value of the eyes over giving them like any sort of uh marginal utility it just seems like they're already very aesthetic based i mean they they have their brs bonus but the the reason people are collecting them is because of their aesthetic right so um if you give them i mean maybe it seems like the emotes i'd have to think about what you what you mean with that like do you mean like the emotes that we have the very, very primitive emotes that we have right now like you would unlock different emotes with different eyes
2: yeah, um, yeah, here it says the rate at which a gachi can access the emote pool is determined by the eye color score. Um, so, uh, it's talking about how, for example, emotes could be released on a six month cycle, um, and how different gachis would get access to the different emotes that get released based on their rarity. And so, like, let's say you have some godlike eyes. Well, what you'd consider, you know, like a double myth eyes or like a rare eye color. Maybe you might have a different emote for those rare. You know, maybe all the rare Mm. eye colors have like one kind of emote. Uh, Maybe all the mythical eye colors have a different kind of emote. And maybe this would just be one extra additional emote in addition to whatever is already available. You know, like you have the are there four right now? I think there's four. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know the exact amount of emotes because I haven't discovered them all either. So uh, there's like three that I know of really well. I thought there was four or five, but maybe there's a sixth one, and that's associated to your uh, eye rarity. Yeah,
1: I think there's a couple aesthetic things we could do. Um, I'm I'm a little not quite sold on like adding a bunch of new emotes just just for the eyes. But what what could be interesting maybe is the I mean the emotes. Right now we have very very primitive emotes. We're definitely going to have more cooler stuff uh later. But maybe the background of the emote could be the eye color. Like every time you emote you could see just from the emote color what the eye color of the gachi is. That would be like one way to make it very very obvious. Like if you have mythical pink eyes, your emote's going to show up as pink and everyone would know. And Another thing you could maybe do would be the name color of the gachi could be the eye color that would be in, like another easy change, but it would be very very obvious
2: i like um, I like that aspect you mentioned of making the uh the aesthetic appeal like more enhanced because my my thing I have right now with the current way the eye color is set up is when we're playing in the Gachiverse, verse you want, you may not necessarily notice. That mm-hmm. uh, double myth I because you, you're zoomed out all the way trying to look for Alchemica. And so like it is a flex, but like I don't think a lot of people would notice it in certain scenarios. So maybe making that a little bit more obvious because that is the real value of the eye colors right now. Right. Is people are paying for uh, the exclusivity. You know, there's like that collector value to it. And, you know, I agree with that. But I also think it's just not that obvious at the moment um, when you're like in in the actual game. Um, and so maybe another way it could be in the chats. I don't know if you guys could enable yeah. uh, the same eye color for the chat. So as you're typing, if you have mythical eye color, you're going to know that person without even looking at their gotcha, you're going to know they have a myth because their, their text when they're typing is going to be that yep. double myth color. Right. Yeah. That could the, add the, extra value.
1: Yeah. We were thinking for the text, we might, we could also kind of rely on the discord color as well. Because we're li- like, if you've linked your Discord, we're already getting which roles you have, and so we could potentially also um, do some things with the the chat and change the text color and stuff. But if you have Myth guys, maybe those would override that kind of stuff. Like if you have if you have the pink eyes, your text could show up as as pink, or at least at least your name would show up as pink. And yeah I think a uh, spirit force also could be pretty interesting right now. The spirit force is based on the spirit force color, but eye color would also make a lot of sense for the aura
2: as well I could feel i I feel like maybe the the spirit force is not being you know utilized as much as it could be because these you know I'm surprised we don't have a a guild of like chain link gotchis or like a group of uh, die gotchis. But I feel like that's going to start to happen just, uh, you know, because when these auras combine, they actually do create a visual, a visual aesthetic. You know, when you have all these orange gachis grouped together or, you know, like that similarity, I don't know, there's something to that for sure. Um, and maybe that will play a bigger role. And I guess it, but it is either or, right. It's like, either we have this, the aura, dictated by spirit force or we have the aura dictated by eye color it wouldn't be it wouldn't i don't think it could be both um uh, but it is cool to have it associated with eye color because that goes back to the you know what we we're saying uh before how we can make this a little bit more obvious um that this is actually a rare gachi based on the eye color even when you're mo- even when you're zoomed out all the way and it may not seem obvious
0: Yeah, and laser eyes are pretty interesting too. I mean, I guess
1: um we have to think about what what they would how like would how far would they go out? Would they would they be an attack or are they just like it could be interesting to if you're like leading some gotchis, you could tell everyone, let's go, let's go this way. Like people could watch where your laser po- are pointed, they could like follow the direction of them.
2: Yeah, the laser pointer is really cool. Not like a weapon, (laughs) though. Is that what you're saying? More like a directional, like we're going this way, like to coordinate maybe. maybe. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, I'd like to know what other people are open, you know, if they're open to this about maybe not having as much utility for the eyes and maybe having more of the the appeal for eye colors to be associated with like an aesthetic, like pure aesthetic appeal, because that's what they are right now. We would just be enhancing it, you know, with the current UI, when you log in to avogachi.com, you're in the bazaar, you can see which one, you know, which gachis are the rarest, but that's not so obvious when you're actually in the game. So maybe that's one way we can, we can fix that and, uh, you know, implement some more uh, visual like enhancements.
1: Yeah, eyes are really just for flexing. Then you got the eye shape as well. So it could be like the Batman signal, where like you, it like literally shines the the signal onto a onto the ground. <laughs> like if you have your your YFI eyes, or your or your your. uh Eventually, we'll have the ghost eyes, right? You could have. You could just shine your a laser beam of ghost on the ground somewhere could be kind of fun
2: that would be really cool and it also again integrate into the laser aspect so maybe yeah Yeah. maybe it's like eyes are associated with laser and then traits of laser would be color of laser would be mapped to color of eyes and then shape of laser would be mapped to shape of eyes something Mm -hmm. like that i don't know Yeah, it is interesting. A lot of those eye shapes would make for great bat signals, that's for sure. <laughs> and so maybe, you know, just to kind of touch on that initial point that we made about the eye color and, you know, the, the initial proposal here that's been put out. Um, generally, in general, you guys, I guess, want to stay away from adding like pure any kind of economic value. To the eyes, because potentially it could hurt the value of, of the I think,
1: yeah. Like I think what we've noticed with Avagachi and other NFTs is that whenever you start adding like an economic value to something, people just start to focus on that, and so the eyes have kind of always been this. They have beyond the BRS value, which is they're just a trait, so everything has a BRS value, but beyond that. People have really fixated on the aesthetic like coolness of having the green eyes so i would say it i don't know if it'll it's not going to probably increase the value but if you add a value to them you say these these are going to give you for example like five percent higher uh channeling or something like that you know whatever then it's then the market will probably reacts negatively to that people are just going to say oh well they're they're only just they're just for channeling they don't really do much else but if if you give them like an aesthetic thing that's more for a flex just for clout and clout the the value of clout is uh, there's no ceiling to it
2: <laughs> i mean that's so true right it's a uh it's an intangible value. It's not something that's made so obvious, but once the scarcity, once there's that scarcity aspect that gets realized that certain eye colors just don't really exist in large numbers, then, you know, the value will naturally accrue, I guess, as the demand for those things, like the market will, the market will value them appropriately, I guess, for whatever uh, level of flex they're at. <laughs>
1: well, that's, yeah, The the market's not, like the market's good at valuing things that have economic value but for flexes it's really hard to value they're almost priceless
2: yeah it's kind of like I look at the double mythos as like the you know there's like those crypto punks the hoodies or like the the zombies like they have no extra well in general crypto punks don't have utility but those, the rarity of those those specific punks, they get valued a lot higher just because of those aspects. They may not actually have any extra real value, but looks rare, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except with Avogadro, we can confirm it actually is rare because there's some mapping to the traits, which is kind of nice. Um, does anybody else have anything to add on eye traits, eye discussion? Is there something I missed? I'm gonna check the chat right now, but it seems like people really like people are really digging the uh, the laser eyes.
1: <laughs> Actian says, "What do you think about something that has no price advantage?" But varies gameplay, like I is defining alchemical affinity, i e. how you interact with difficult different alchemica. What do you mean by interact? like what is it? what I've seen that term alchem- alchemical affinity, but what exactly are we are we doing with that?
2: I wonder if he's uh, referring to a uh, there's a comment you made a while ago where we might eventually have some alchemica that's like hardened. It may not, you know, it's like more congealed. It may not uh, be the easiest to pick up. Maybe you have to like break it or like do some sort of interaction with it to actually extract that alchemica out. I wonder if he's referring to that. Anything he says, anything to be defined later, it could be speed, attack bonus, or something farming stuff, magnetism. Okay, so it's like a general, I guess, a general advantage over al- alchemica collecting. Um, yeah, I guess we need a little bit more context on that, but, um, it could be, you know, I, I do like your comment that you made with making eyes, you know, more aesthetic based and just enhancing the clout, uh, per se. I'm just looking at some of the other, see if we have any other questions in the chat here. Um, mini uh BRS okay um there's some other there's some other topics um that hardcore put down here that I think are worth just touching on um one of them was uh we had touched on last week for respecing spirit points is that something that's still on the table to be able to respec your spirit points mm-hmm. um as the game launches You know, I guess the underlying issue of this was people were, you know, boosting their, uh, boosting their spirit, like using their spirit points based on the current meta, which was around rarity farming. And so, uh, little bit change of game here where, you know, it'll still be relevant for rarity farming, but some of these people may have not made the best choices, uh, based on the current meta, you know, with, uh, I can't remember the terms now HP versus AP and, you know, all those traits that we mapped out, they might not be the most ideal combos now, um, even though they may have been advantageous for rarity for rarity farming. So what do you, uh, what's your take on that um, for maybe possibly respecting spirit points?
1: I mean, I'm, I'm uh, good with the overall idea. It's just the timing, how, how often it can happen. Like, the is there any price associated with it? Uh, I think that all that needs to be fleshed out before we can actually implement anything and, and do a real proposal for it.
2: Yeah, it sounds like there's something there, but we have to gather some more uh, data on it. And uh, yeah, just quickly want to touch on a couple more points, I guess. Um, Hardcore has put up uh, a point here, uh, a post. How to make crests more fair and profitable so that's in reference to the guild crests um and i guess bidding for them with your are we still going to be bidding on them with our glitter like can we get a little bit more background on how that's going to work
1: uh yeah we yeah we we haven't um been able to focus a lot on that in the last couple weeks Uh, we did actually write out an internal doc around um, a method that we I think I dropped a little bit of discussion about it in a previous hangout which was having like a leaderboard of in-game alchemica uh, in-game glitter that was spent and whoever spent the most glitter in-game would basically be eligible uh, for the glitter for the uh, guild channeling rewards this would be guild based and, and if you're a member of that guild any glitter you spend in game would go towards that leaderboard. And there'd be various ways to spend the glitter. Obviously there's the upgrading method. There would also be things like uh, when you're in your Gachi lodge, you could spend glitter on uh, adding different furniture or like adding some special things inside of it. Kind of just kind of uh, pimping it out a little bit. And we could have things like, uh, we have a we have an entire design doc about public transportation. And so one idea would be the the community, the, the players can kind of build out public transportation where they would prefer to have it. Doesn't have to be something that we would have to build out 100% and just give over. We could build out the mechanics for building public transportation and then people could decide where they want it, and the guild the the districts that have the most active guilds who are giving back the most would end up having like the best public transportation system so that would be those are a couple of ways you could use glitter. there's probably a lot more ways could be like buying a potion with going to the shop and buying a potion with it could also add towards it
2: okay uh, so
1: the i think I think the there was enough pushback on the GBM auction and people were worried about griefing that we we did come up with this second idea. Uh so I would say the GBM auction, I mean we're we're still pretty far away from having guild channeling and gotcha lodges, so we have a, a little bit of time to iterate on it. But that was our kind of our second idea.
2: Okay it sounds like you guys are kind of leaning away from the gbm auction um, to make things more fair i guess um is that spending for glitter uh going to be more based on individual players spending um, that are associated with the guild or is it going to be more based off the spending the guild is doing itself like their own glitter
1: it would be both basically if you're a member of the guild then your spending would go towards the the guild's allocation, uh, the the leaderboard. Because one of the issues that the current GVM model has is this kind of a limitation that we had to add, uh, but each guild can only, well, each wearable can only be represented by one guild. Basically it's one guild, one wearable. And with the leaderboard idea, you could have three or ten guilds all with the same wearable all competing for their spot on the leaderboard
0: so that was kind okay. of a,
1: a nice a nicer thing we wouldn't have to worry about one guild like monopolizing one wearable and then what ha- what happens if they lose that wearable then their whole kind of guild identity is is broken and so yeah you would uh if you're a member of that fireball guild any glitter spending you do would go towards the fireball guilds leaderboard if you're if you're a member of three fireball guilds any spending of glitter you do would go to all three
0: fireball guilds so the guilds
1: would also be trying to recruit uh the heavy glitter spenders
2: Sorry, can I get a little c- clarification on that last bit? So, if there's three fireball glitter, uh, three fireball guilds, and I'm in one of the guilds but not in the other two, my spending will go towards, you know, reserving the rights for my guild, even though I'm not in the other two, um, to keep that fireball, um, so long as I guess all three guilds are spending. Uh, well, you,
1: there, yeah, there's no keeping. Basically, there would be a leaderboard of Guild, which guilds are eligible for guild channeling that week? And if you're in like the top 100 or top 250, whatever it comes out to be, then you would be able, you would be eligible for guild channeling. And the amount, there would be like a kind of a multiplier that would be applied to the highest guild on that leaderboard, like the number one spot. So you would take the base rate, you'd take the if it's a a rare wearable, you would take the base rate times the rare wearable times another modifier that's added on because they are number one on the leaderboard, and then when you go all the way down to like number two fifty, they would actually probably have a a a, a negative multiplier because then um, they would have like fifty percent. They would have point five of their base rate they would actually be earning less because they're lower down on the leaderboard that would be one way or it could just be you know if you're under 100 everyone you just get your base rate you don't you don't get penalized
2: okay that's very interesting um so there's a strong drive there for competition to be spending after acti- actively um to be earning glitter actively but also you know this ties back in with our earlier conversation that uh there's going to be a strong incentive to earn glitter and there's going to be st- a strong incentive to burn glitter because you're going to be using them for so many different use cases uh yeah within within the ecosystem um and i like this guild uh i i like that we're moving away from the three-month auctions because uh Jared actually makes a good point. Uh, I prefer this leaderboard method. The other option with the three-month glitter auctions is quite stressful for smaller guilds to try and obtain a crest. and I agree Mm -hmm. with that. That's something we want to avoid for sure. Yeah, the interesting
1: Um, part about the leaderboard method is uh, if you're a guild that's like in the lower tier, but you have some members who have been saving up their glitter for a while, you could basically just pick a week and say, all right, guys, everyone spend as much glitter as you can as fast as you can. Uh, because the, the other aspect of this leaderboard method, uh, which I think carries over from the GBM method we kind of talked about earlier, but that the earlier you spend your glitter, the more value, it, the more points you would get on the leaderboard. So this would prevent people coming in last minute within like the last minute, literally, and swooping up the the leaderboard so the earlier you spend it the more value your glitter would have uh on that leaderboard so if you're if you're a new guild you could come out of nowhere and spend a bunch of glitter all at the same at the same time like basically the first hour in that week and uh your guild would be ranked very highly and it would be fairly difficult uh to 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 just lodge you from from that spot
2: see i like that because it adds a lot of strategy and coordination and that's what what this game is all about right at every level um with the whole game the district the guilds um there has to be coordination at all those levels and uh encouraging that through this is a, this mechanic is is going to be interesting to see uh, what kind of strategies uh emerge you know
1: yeah, so to clarify, Slick says, um, well, Tommy Gachi, so all guilds could channel just have different rates. So no, not all guilds. There would have to be some cutoff of a score. Basically, we would say there's about 250 wearables out there anyway. So we would probably just put it at 250. Say, okay, only 250 guilds can channel. And you know what? Maybe 10 fireball guilds are in the top 250 so all of them all of those guilds could channel and maybe there's other guilds that didn't make the threshold and they wouldn't be eligible for channeling that week
2: interesting very interesting um yeah i agree with quincy too that we could uh You know, we can talk about this more uh, in the forums, you know, about the leaderboard, uh, you know, because it has taken a little bit of a different direction in a good in a good way, in my opinion. Uh, But, yeah, we could definitely if that's not hasn't been started yet. Yeah, uh, there's no uh, there's
1: no crests. So the crest would not be necessary anymore. It would just be the leaderboard for that week. And uh, once that once the leaderboard is confirmed for that week in the next week you'd be able to channel based on that one you'd basically every week you'd be it could it doesn't have to be a week it could be a month whatever period would be but uh once that period once the spending period is over you get to the channeling period for that that would be based on the previous week's numbers previous week's leaderboard and during that next week you're you're working on spending glitter for the next the next
0: leaderboard Week.
1: So we wouldn't need crests. It would just be a leaderboard mechanic.
2: Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um we definitely continue to see what other people's uh, thoughts are on that um once we you know, people discuss this in the in the DAO and uh, get some more feedback on it.
1: And so Yeah, so time time has some feedback here there's no perfect system but uh so he says this system disincentivizes the organic organization of guilds and forces people to be bandwagon guild members where people are just hoping for the guilds they can channel with and once you can't channel people will just leave that guild and go on to the next one this is horrible for the community building aspect of the game that we've been working on for months now Um, I don't know if they would leave it. I mean, there's still other benefits to being the guilds. we don't even we don't even have guild channeling right now, and there's all a bunch of there's a bunch of guilds already. So I don't know if it would
0: necessarily destroy that.
1: But people there I mean, once you add in this uh, a, a guild channeling incentive, people are gonna start focusing a little bit more on whether or not their guild is providing alchemica for them. I think that that doesn't matter what system you. You put in there's people are always going to probably just be there's a certain group of people who will be focusing on how much marginal utility being in a guild will get them. But also, the it's worth noting that the guilds can choose who they want to be their members as well. Oh, that, there's a couple of ways you can you can either allow anyone to join, you could um allow anyone to apply and then you accept them, or you could basically make it an invite only guild where you you ask people to join you and they can decide whether or not they want to or not.
2: Uh, and I think there's gonna be a wide variety of criteria for joining guilds. Um like we already do have a wide variety Uh, everything from like you said invite only to uh you know you got to purchase a membership to be a part of the guild so you've invested your actual money um you know uh, maybe with the scholars they can be a little bit more fickle but even in there there's going to be scholars who are more serious about the game and actually are more loyal to a certain guild and then you have the ones that that will always just kind of bounce around um but i don't know if that's going to be a uh, core, like an issue with core, you know, guild members that join a guild and are actually there for, you know, uh, besides the channeling aspect of it.
1: Yeah, though, what you would as a guild, you'd you would be if you notice that someone is spending a lot of glitter on their parcel and say they're not a member of any guild, it would behoove you to try to recruit that person. It's a little bit like the the curve war or recently there's been like the the chi wars where there are people bribing giving basically incentives for uh, these big whales to to vote on certain incentives for different protocols and so if you're familiar with that that would be that would be part of that system if you if you notice that um someone is not aligned with any guild and they're spending a lot of glitter you'd you'd want to have them on your side but do remember that each gachi can only join a, a certain number of guilds based on their xp level so that's that's another thing the high xp it's basically uh giving high xp gachis um even more utility
2: yeah and that's a really cool factor um to really uh limit you know Grow your gachi's XP. Uh, I think once you get to level five, you get access to, I think, three guilds. So I, I don't think you could get out of control that way. You know, you're going to need a really high level gachi to be able to do like multiple, like yeah. a vast amount of channelings with different guilds. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jared also makes a good point, too. You know, um guilds need to recruit landowners and, uh, not just renters yeah that's good and
1: and like i think most guilds would if you have like a fireball guild uh the fireball the members of that fireball guild would probably want to join that guild because they're they're basically creating a monopoly on the fireball but then you might have another guild that says oh we can why don't we uh make a couple more fireball guilds have let's have five fire, fireball guilds and uh we'll, all of our glitter benefits will go to all five of these fireball guilds but again you'd have to have the high xp xp gotchis uh being in those guilds. those and those xp high xp gotchis would need to be the ones spending the glitter to really maximize the value
2: that's another good point. Um, yeah. Uh, interesting mechanic. I want to, I want to see, uh, you know, maybe we can see if there's a Dow thread that, that comes out of this. And uh, yeah, you know, we have one that I we love-
1: we prepared a while back. We just, we haven't gotten around to, to putting it out yet, but uh, definitely once the 18th is up, we'll, we can put that out. There were, I think I, I outlined most of the mechanics. So, um, but yeah, we'll, Let's sit on it for another week, and then we'll we'll try to get out our initial idea uh, as a as a DAO thread uh, next week.
2: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, awesome. Um, I mean, there may be some you... things that
1: we're not thinking about, but the only the only thing thing I I I do agree a little bit with with time that. You might have a little bit more churn in the guilds as, as if people think they can't, alec- they can't uh, like benefit from the guild channeling that week. Maybe they'll go and join another guild. So, like, becomes what is a what is a guild? But uh, but I think you're going to have a lot of guilds that might not want to incentivize that type of behavior.
2: Yeah. You know, and I, you know, the I think the there'll be certain guilds that are able to provide like other valuable experiences outside of you know outside of just channeling, and so that's kind of another aspect of it. Um, yeah, okay, so that 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 brought some real good context into that, clarified some of that. uh, You know, um. The, the issue about making crest fair and profitable it's something we can revisit again as you know people develop more ideas around it more feedback around it um there's a couple more stickies here do you have time to stick around i know where okay, i'm gonna have to get room. off
1: here i gotta get some yeah. rest for tomorrow
2: yeah fair enough i thought I
1: but yeah, uh, yeah very good uh conversation here
2: Yeah, it was a very enjoyable conversation. I'm glad we could clarify some things. Uh, Yeah, well, I'll keep an eye. I'll keep a closer eye on the DAO forum and, you know, see if I can get some more feedback from myself. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, everyone else, for uh, joining tonight and contributing to the conversation. Um, I think uh, Notorious BTC, if you're still in there, still here, uh, thank you for Providing some background and feedback on your uh, proposal, on your forum post, and uh, I got nothing else. Uh, well, we have Gotchi Space tonight. We might talk about some of this stuff here. Uh, that's at seven p.m. Eastern. And other than that, I don't have anything else, um, unless you guys do.
1: All right, guys. Later.
2: Yeah. Take care, friends. We'll uh, cool. see you again next week.
1: All Cool, cool. Thanks, Hefe.
0: Thanks, Dan. And All thanks, right. everyone else.